0: I'll be if I could use a subject today I would say the the grave experience would be my title today John 11:43 the amplified version When he had said this he shouted with a loud voice Lazarus come out May the Lord have a blessing to the readers, hearers, and doers of his word. You know, as, as we are just living day to day and, and from two, 2000, from 2020 to 2021, we're seeing so much death. We're seeing so many things that are going on. We're seeing so many natural graves and, and spiritual graves, you know, that sometimes it'll have you being overwhelmed just looking at the graves, seeing death after death gun violence after gun violence, overdoses, and all of these things that we are seeing. So many deaths. So if we look at the definition of grave, it's a place for burial for the dead body, typically in a hole dug in the ground. It's marked by a stone or a mound. Anytime that you see a natural grave, you see it a place where it's, it's housed for that dead body, um, and it's always, it's always, you know, the 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 like the diameter or the length of the actual casket itself. It's molded for that. It's molded for that. You know, a lot of times when we look at natural graves, there's no life there. There's no, there's nothing there. It's dead. It's empty. You know, when you look at grave sites or you think about cemeteries and just the feeling that you get in the cemetery, it's a very empty feeling. It's a, it's a feeling of, ooh, it's kind of like, you know, the, like it, they talk about chills your spine, something. I think of it like that when I think about a grave or when I go to an actual grave site. But even in the spirit, if we look in the spirit, it's the same thing. In the spirit, we can also have these same effects when we're actually in a grave, you know? So when we think about graves, they're bound. They can't get out, they, you know, they're dead. So they can't come out of that thing because it is a literal death. So now they are in what is called a casket. So when we think about us in our lives, what is the thing or person that has us bound? An individual, they can be bound in their mind. They can be bound, you know, by the thoughts that they have. They can be bound by things that happen to them that cause them to feel extremely hurt. Sometimes, you know, as human beings, we are embarrassed about things. So that can also cause us to be bound because we can walk around in that embarrassment. We can walk around feeling hurt. We can walk around feeling ashamed. So a lot of times when you see a person that is bound in this manner, it's like they're paralyzed. And when you think about paralyzed in the natural, you cannot move. But in the spiritual, when we are bound because of embarrassment, we we are bound because of shame, when we are bound because of hurt, We have become paralyzed. We have become entangled in it. We have become wrapped in it. Oftentimes, we are almost at a state of hopelessness, right? Because if you look at it, think about in your own personal lives, in your own personal situations, when you are bound because you're embarrassed by something, or you're bound because of something that maybe you have done. And think about the effects. Just go through it in your mind as I'm preaching this sermon today. Think about that in your own personal lives when something caused you to be embarrassed or something caused you to be ashamed or something caused you to even maybe be afraid. What did you do? How did you act when you were embarrassed, when you were ashamed? How did you go about your day-to-day life when you felt these things? Have you ever seen someone in a grave and they haven't been wrapped up? Have you ever seen somebody in a grave? Think about it. I know all of us have lost somebody that is near and dear to our hearts, that it, caught, it ripped our hearts out literally. So when you think about that person or, or just even a recent death that you have seen, did you, did you not see them wrapped up in something? The answer is no. You'll never see anyone in a natural or spiritual grave that is not wrapped up in something. So let's talk about the types of graves. There's walking graves. These are the graves that I'm speaking of where you're wrapped up in fear, where you're wrapped up in embarrassment, where you're wrapped up in soul ties, where you're wrapped up in, maybe because of the situation that has happened to you, it's caused you not to be able to dream again. You can't get past the situation. It, it may have caused you to go through a divorce. So now you find yourself in a space of, I cannot love again. That So that happens sometimes because of the things that we go through and we get consumed and we get wrapped up in those things. Sometimes it even causes us to be afraid to be our true self. Just like I'm I'm wearing this as I'm in a casket. Think about these situations that I'm talking about today. We Sometimes we are wrapped up. We're literally walking around and we are a literal grave. We're literally walking around and we are consumed in that thing. We are consumed in that situation. We are buried in it. We're tied up in it. It is Wrapped us. So everywhere we go, we may be smiling, but we're bound. We may be like, Yeah, I praise you, Lord, but I'm still bound. We may be walking around, but we're still perplexed. We're still consumed. We are still overwhelmed. So we're walking in a literal grave. You know, do you not know that if you are afraid to be yourself, that is a grave? That's a grave because you don't feel like you can truly be who God called you to be. So you're walking around in a facade, but only in the spirit can somebody see when you're walking around and you are in a walking literal grave and you're not able to be yourself. You're not able to be your true self. So you are in what is called a walking grave. And do you not know that sometimes because of our disobedience, it will cause us to be in a walking grave because of the consequences and the choices that we have made. We have literally put ourselves in a grave. So now we're walking around again and we're bound up. We're tied up. We're we're consumed. We are overwhelmed. Another one that I know and I deal with a lot because of the work that I'm in is because of trauma. Trauma will cause us to be bound. Trauma will cause us to not be able to love, not be able to trust, not be able to have relationships with others and connect with others because of the trauma. Because what happens is when you experience a trauma, the enemy comes in and he rapes you of that ability to dream. He snatches that from you. He literally comes Ah, I'm gonna let this happen to you because I know you're not gonna be able to overcome it. You're not gonna be able to overcome that rape. You're not gonna be able to overcome that molestation. You're not gonna be able to overcome your father being in, in prison. You're not going to be able to overcome your mother when she hits you and she beats you and you had a mark on your arm, you're not going to be able to overcome that. So what that does all through your life now, you're you're a grown person, but you're wrapped up in a little girl's body. You're a grown person, but you're wrapped up in a little boy's body because you're not able to love and trust and hope and dream again because of what happened to you when you was a little child so now you are walking around and you are in a grave because of what happened to you as a kid this is what happens this is what happens even when we come into the body of Christ and we come into a house an assembly we are we have many people walking around and they are literally in graves they are literally in graves And they are able to mask it very well look at what I have on there are people that are in the body of Christ that are literally walking around like this every day and they're functioning even in the grave think about that think about that for a second they're walking around they're empty they're dead they're hopeless they're blank they're void they're empty Because of their situation, that's right, Pastor Sonia, they are numb. But there is also what is called a physical grave, a physical grave, which is sickness. Anytime that you experience a sickness, that is a form of a grave. And I'm here to tell you, it will snatch everything that you love almost. It'll snatch your dreams. It'll snatch your your ambitions. It'll snatch all of things from you. And a lot of times it will almost try to even snatch your life. So this is a physical grave. Another one is suicidal thoughts. When we have suicidal thoughts and then someone begins to act those things out, now it has become a literal physical grave. Domestic violence. If I am a victim of domestic violence, this is another physical grave. Because a lot of times when perpetrators, they, they, they abuse their victims. This happens for years and years and years, where they end up in the hospital. Sometimes they go into a coma, sometimes they have strokes, Some they black out. This is actually a physical grave. I mentioned gun violence, somebody overdoses, a fire, a car accident. These are things that can produce what is called a physical grave. See the thing about a physical grave, it can produce a natural death, but it can also produce a spiritual death. The difference between a walking grave is you're you're alive, right? So that can produce a spiritual death. That's the difference between the two. Now Lazarus, when we go back to the, the text, Lazarus, he ended up dying because of a illness, so he was experiencing a physical grave. No matter what grave you may find yourself in, some form of death occurs, whether it be natural or whether it be spiritual, and it's, it's, it's human tendency, human capacity for us to, when we experience a grave experience, we ask God, how long will this be? How long lord because you know I, i'll be all the way real if you're like me you don't like to suffer you don't want to suffer you don't want to have those pains and you know the things that you have to go through when you're experiencing a grave because a grave experience is rough it's rough there's not any life there a lot of times you look like you're getting ready to In boxing, you know how they come and they tap them after they have been knocked out and they're on the ground and they come and tap them to make sure that they're still responsive and that they have not encountered what is called, you know, they're not blacked out, they're not having a coma. So in a grave experience, that's literally where you are. You're literally at the point where somebody's got to tap you and say, Hey, are you still there? Hey, are you okay? That's that's literally what is happening in a grave experience and that's literally what you feel you're like Lord how long how long God Romans 8 and 30 the NIV version says and those he Predestined he also called he also justified and he also glorified so in grave experiences God will allow us to go through things even if it's because of our disobedience he will still allow us to go through that thing because of the destiny, because of the destiny that he has on our lives. So because of the destiny, it requires us to go through certain things. And the wonderful thing about God is he still uses our disobedience. And he says, I'll even allow that to be used for my glory. And I'll even justify that that's that's where we should be praising God because if you're like me you know that you should not be used by God but God justified every mistake everything that I did when I turned my back on him when I said I don't want to be saved when I did all of these things and he said I'll justify that and I'll use that for my glory so because of that he said because of the destiny that I have on your life so I'm going to excuse that basically now I'm on now I'm gonna get you for it but I'm going to excuse it because I know the plan that I have for you. So we should be able to just say, you know what, God, I thank you for that. He allows us to experience a grave moment. He allows all of us to experience it. If we go to people in the Bible, Genesis thirty-seven twenty-four, NIV version says, and they took him and threw him into the cistern. The cistern was empty. There was no water in it. In the scripture we see here, this is Joseph. Joseph was thrown into a pit by his brothers. There was, and the scripture said, there was no water there. He was left to die, literally. They didn't care what happened to him. They didn't care. This was a literal grave that he experienced but he also experienced it in isolation. Anytime that you are in a grave, in a grave experience, you are experiencing isolation. You never experience a grave and you got everybody with you, your homies, your mama, your daddy, you know, and you don't know when you're in a grave experience, it's just you. That's it. That's it. God will allow this to happen to grow us in the midst of the testing, in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the situation. First Peter 4 and 12, King James Version says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as through some strange thing happened unto you, and then it, but rejoice in as much your, as you're partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may also be with exceeding joy. So, this lets us know right here that we're going to experience, we're going to experience it. It said, find it not strange. You know, the word, it tells us over and over, time and time again, that we're going to experience suffering, that we're going to experience trials. It said that a day is full of trouble. A day is full of trouble. So that lets us know that we are going to experience troubles. We're going to experience hardships. We're going to experience trials. And I know it's not, a, it's not a, a word that makes us shout and dance and run all over the room, but we have to know how to endure during the grave experiences. Because I'm here to tell you, a shout is not going to help you when you're in the fight of your life. A shout is not going to get you through that situation and that circumstance. So you need to know how to get through that situation and how to get through that situation in God. So we have to rejoice. In our sufferings when we're in the grave, because it's not strange to God. If we look at Christ. Let's think about Christ for a moment and what he went through. He literally suffered all the way up to the cross. He literally suffered. Think about everything that he went through, the beating, the, the ripping of his beard, you know, the, the, how they put the crown of thorns on his head. And like Pastor talked about last week, it wasn't just like a nice put. They literally smashed it on his head. And so think about all these things that he went through, and he was still learning obedience through all of it. Through all of it, he was still learning how to be obedient to the Father in the midst of everything that he went through. So think about that for a moment, how he suffered. He suffered for you. He died for you. He, he almost, I'm sure that there were times in his head he's like, man, you know what, God, I ain't going to make it. I ain't going to make it. I ain't going to do it. I can't die for them. You know, this is ripping me. I'm sure there were thoughts going through his head because he was 100% human. He still had the humanity side to him, even though he was 100% God. So he still had that human side of going through suffering and going through trials and going through tests. He still had it. So if you think about that for a moment and what he went through, In in this passage of Scripture, we have Lazarus right he was dead for 4 days John 11:39 King James version it says Jesus said take ye away the stone Martha the sister of him that was dead saith unto him lord by the time he stinketh for he has been dead for 4 days for when i looked that up for one the one of the definitions that i like that stuck out to me meant wholeness, meant being whole. So think about that, for four days he was dead. There was absolutely no life in him. But then when God called him and literally said his name, he came forth. Now if we look at him and if we go to Jesus, Jesus also had a resurrection experience where he was rose from the dead. The difference between Lazarus and Jesus was Lazarus, four days, Jesus was three days. Luke 24 seven, the amplified version says, saying that the son of man must be handed over to sinful men and be crucified. And on the third day from death to life. So they, they all went through Lazarus and Jesus went through their death to life experience because they were dead. So anytime that we are dead, we go from death to life. So even your situation that you may be in today, because they rose and because they they were able to get up, now Jesus, he rose in a resurrected body. That's the difference between Lazarus and Jesus. Jesus rose in a resurrected body. Lazarus, he just rose when God called him, told him, get up, basically. He, he just got up. So, but both of them, nevertheless, nonetheless, went from a death to life experience. So, even in your situation, this goes to show us that our situations and our circumstances too, we can go from a death to life in our situations, in our sicknesses, in everything that we go through, we can go from a death to life experience. But we have to go through grave experience I'm here to tell you the grave experience you're not going to be able to escape it it is necessary if we see we see time and time again in the Bible how individuals went through death experiences they went through grave experiences how is an individual raised from death to life you may be asking yourself that today well how, how does that happen john 11:25, the amplified version says jesus said to her i am the resurrection and the life whoever believes in and then in parentheses it says adheres to trust in relies on me as savior will live even if he dies so how do we go to a a resurrection because all of us have to be resurrected from death to life so the ingredients are in the scripture of John 11:25. The ingredients are here. Ahere are to God. When you adhere to something, what do you do? You follow, you follow, you obey. That's when you adhere to something. John first, John five and three. "For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not grievous. So we're supposed to follow His commandments. That is the that's the first part of being resurrected. How do I how do I be resurrected from death to life? Well, we have to follow his ingredients. The word of God says that a righteous man's steps are ordered By the Lord so when they're ordered that means they're directed when you like think about it when you go to a restaurant and you and they ask you what you want you order it so what do they do they adhere to what you want for your order whatever that may be and that's the same thing we're supposed to do as men and women of God we are supposed to adhere to the Word of God because that is how our steps become ordered by the Lord that's how they become directed by the Lord because we have to adhere to them it's just like these steps if I want to go up to the very top to go out the door I have to adhere to the steps I have to follow each step so that I can be able to get to the front door and be able to get out well it's the same thing with the Word of God we have to be able to follow the steps we have to be able to adhere to what he says trusting in God that's a hard one for us that's a hard one a lot of times for us Hebrews 11:6 And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So, when we say trusting God, we got to rely on him. We have to rely on him. We have to believe in him. Believe that he is who he says he is even though our situation, it may say, it may tell us, no, God ain't who he says he is. But if we go back to our track record with God and we go back to how he is undefeated, we can be like, you know what? That's a lie. The devil is a lie. Because I'm going to tell you in the grave experience, the enemy will come and try to whisper seeds of doubt seeds of fear because he does not want you to be resurrected from death to life because I'll tell you something else when you are resurrected that's when you are when you're unstoppable that's when you're able to go forth and declare and do what God called you to do the enemy does not want to see you resurrected and go from death to life he wants you to stay dead he wants you to stay bound he doesn't want you to accomplish anything in the kingdom He's looking at the souls. If I can whisper seeds of doubt and I can whisper seeds of fear and they actually become the fear, they become the doubt, I've just aborted another mission. I've just stopped another mission because they, they bit. Like it talks about in James, being enticed and drawn away by your own lust. And when he bites and, then, and it's conceived, it brings forth death. It brings forth death. So there goes that death word again. There it goes. The enemy knows. He knows us better than we do because he studies us. He watches us. He watches how we do things. So he knows if I tell them such and such, oh yeah, they need money. So if I tell them, yo, the money, go over there. Go over there to that man. He's got the money. He knows. He knows us better than we do. So he'll plant those seeds to see if we're going to bite. And if we bite, that's when we become drawn away. We're enticed by our own lust. We're enticed by the things that we like the very most. The enemy is not going to tempt you with something that you don't like because he knows it's not going to be successful. Why would he tempt you with something that he knows you don't care about that? So he's only going to tempt you with the things that you like so think about it as i'm as i'm talking what things do i like because those are the things that he's going to use to draw you away to pull you away from the from going from death to life from being transformed when we rely on him that's the next part relying on him when we rely on god we show him that he is a vital necessity you know, when you think about a mother as she's carrying a baby, as she's, as she's pregnant, the mother is the vital necessity for that baby. Because the ingredients, the nutrients, everything that they need, is the mother provides it. God desires the same way with us. He desires for us to make him a vital necessity. He wants us to have that relationship with him. Jeremiah 29 and 11, Amplified Version, oh, then with a deep longing. You will seek me and require me as a vital necessity and you will find me and when you search for me with all your heart. So this is where this comes in as being a vital necessity. He wants us to long for him. He wants us to search him out. Think about the things that you have longed for, the things that you have searched for, the things that you you have went high and low to look for them, whether it be a person, whether it be a man, whether it be a job, whether it be money, whatever it may be. You went high and low for that. God desires for us to long for him and to require him as a deep necessity, as a vital necessity, which a necessity is a need. And that's what God wants us to do. That's what God desires for us to do. When we can do these three things, we can be transformed from death to life. No, it's not an easy process. Absolutely not. But it is necessary. So now we're going to talk about Jesus um, we're gonna talk about Lazarus and I'm gonna do a, a demonstration the way that God gave it to me Because when he was in the grave because he was actually in a stone That was the other thing that was similar to him and Jesus. They were both in a stone They were both they they had Jesus when he went to go to actually called Lazarus forth, guess what? They had to take him. Mary had to take him to the grave where he was and had to remove the stone. That's what it talks about in the scripture how they had to remove it. So literally, when he was in the grave, he was like this, he was dead. He was dead. And then what happened is when he called Lazarus, he said, Lazarus, come forth. And then when they said when he came forth, now his his grave clothes were still on. That's the thing about it. His grave clothes were still on. But now I want you, this time when I get up, imagine yourself. Imagine your situation. Imagine your circumstance. When they say, when he says, Lazarus, come forth, actually say that to yourself. I come forth. Whatever that situation is, say, I come forth. I come forth out of fear. I come forth out of bitterness. I come forth out of unforgiveness. I come forth out of, out of rage. I come forth out of fear. Because this is what we need to do when God calls us forth we should be coming forth and be resurrected so when he calls us forth the dead the clothes the grave clothes which is your situation what is your circumstance it actually becomes you becomes removed just like that so when you have a situation or a circumstance that you feel like is death imagine this being your situation and it being removed it being taken away when God said come forth God can resurrect you despite the fear and personal feelings. And that's what happened here in John. Because everybody around him, everybody around Jesus did not believe that he was going to be able to resurrect Lazarus to begin with. They didn't believe it. He was mad. It said it in the, in the um, chapter that he was mad. He was angry because they didn't believe. They didn't believe Resurrection power in this situation, it demonstrated Christ. It demonstrated his ability. It demonstrated it. In John 11, 43 through 44, the Amplified Version says, And when he had said this, he shouted with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. So even in your situation that may, may have you in a grave today, come out come out of the pain come out of the embarrassment come out of the trauma come out of the drug addiction come out of the out of whatever the situation may be come out come out of the sickness come out of the pain the inability to love the inability to trust come out so and then he came out now it talks about how his clothes were still wrapped. He was still wrapped up in his grave clothes. He was still wrapped up in it. So when you come out sometimes, even in the illustration that I did, sometimes our grave clothes are still attached to us. They're still attached to us. Exactly. It has to be worked out day by day. It has to be, they have to be removed. But I've, I know that sometimes God will allow those things to stay on us. Because he knows that's the very thing that will keep us in his presence. He knows that that is the very thing that will keep us at his feet. Just like with Paul, when Paul had the thorn that was on his side and he prayed to God three times and God did not let it be removed. I'm, you know, when I think about that, even though it's not in the scripture, I'm like, that could have been the very thing that kept Paul at God's feet. Because God knows with some of us, if he were to heal us all the way, we would forget about him we wouldn't we wouldn't we wouldn't still serve him and say that you're god because and like he told paul my grace is sufficient my grace is sufficient even in suffering so sometimes god will keep those thorns in our flesh even when he raises us from death to life so that we'll stay at his feet so that we'll continue to be submitted to him because of that suffering of that thing sometimes god will allow us to walk things out even in suffering He'll allow us to walk things out even in suffering. Even though it's not pretty all the time, He'll allow us to endure those things even in suffering. Because John 15 and 4, the NIV version says, Remain in me as I also in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So sometimes God will allow us to experience those pains in our lives and not heal us from those things so that we can stay at his feet because we are the vines we're that we're the branches in that vine and and for us to grow and continue to bear fruit we have to remain in him which he is the tree and that's that is just an illustration god god jesus used illustrations because he knew that that's how people would understand he knew he knew, and that's what he told him. He said, but his disciples, he gave them the deep things. But everybody else, he told them things in the stories and in the parables so that they could be able to understand. That's, that's amazing. God wrote, 66, he wrote the New Testament, I would say, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the Gospels when he told the parables so that the people would understand, so that we would understand, so that we could be able to grasp what he's saying. So when God, he calls you out of the grave season and you go from death to life, remember these things. Remember that God, he has not forgotten you. But sometimes he wants us to remain at his feet because he wants us, he wants to see how faithful we're going to be. You know, we, we are a type of people, including myself, that, we have to go through things and, and we, to, in order to actually be able to trust and rely on him. It's not so easy for us to just trust and rely on him just because he said it. Because if it was, we would have already done it. We would have done it. We would have done it. And I, for me, it, I, it's definitely not that simple. You can tell me something and I can go and do the exact opposite. And they'll tell you that. And I'll tell them, oh, yeah, I'm going to do that. And then just go do it you know so god knows us that's the reason why he wrote these parables he had them wrote and inspired by the holy spirit to write these things so that we we could be able to follow them so when you are in your grave if you find yourself in a grave today just say he is he's pruning me he's preparing me for something that i have yet to see i have yet to see in this in this time in this season of my life, but eventually he will say, come forth. He will, he will, he'll tell you to come forth. I'm here to tell you, he will. And when he tells you to come forth, that, that's a time of, of resurrection. That's a time of resurrection. So you may, you may be here today and this, this may be like, what is, she, what is she talking about? The grave experience. The grave experience is something that I witnessed Um, myself being sick literally to the point where I almost died and I get it I get it because everything was taken from me everything I could I didn't I couldn't see a future I couldn't see past today between all the meds and all the the things I couldn't do but in all of that he raised me for such a time as this. Is it easy today? No. Do I still deal with the effects of being sick? Absolutely, because I'm walking out my healing. Until I hear the report that I'm healed, I still have residue. I still have residue of lupus. I still have residue of endometriosis. I still have those residues. But when, when he's done, I'll be able to say, even in the process, I know what you did because I can look back when it was bad, when I was in and out of hospitals, when I couldn't walk, when I had a cane and and I couldn't do all these things and I couldn't drive. There were days I couldn't drive and I couldn't work. But when I look back and I look at today, you preserved me. That's what he'll do too in the grave. He'll preserve you to where you don't look like it. If I hadn't told you that was, this was my story, you would have been like, you don't look like it. That's because I was preserved for such a time as this. He preserved me. He preserved me with everything, the weight, the biggest I had ever been in my life. But he preserved me. So I'm here to tell you as a person who has had to go from death to life and is held, I'm not going to tell you it's easy because it's not. I went through hell because of it and I almost did not come out, not just literally, but even in my mind because it was that crazy. It was that crazy. So if, you, if you're wondering, well, how do I come out of the grave? I don't know him. I don't know this man that you talk about who died for me and who rose so that I could live. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. He died for you too. He died for all of us so that we could get up, so that we could have victory on this side. Not not just when we die, but so we could have victory on this side. So if you don't know this man, I challenge you today, come see a man who saved me. That's literally what I can tell you. Come see a man who saved me. Literally, he saved me. I'll never forget that. That, was, that. that season of my life was so crazy. Everything that happened, it did in that season. Everything happened. Finances, jobs, you name it, I went through it in that season of my life. Depression, suicidal thoughts, you name it, I went through it in that season of my life. Come see a man that will save you. Come see a man that is crazy about you a love that you have never experienced, except outside of him. He loves us so much. That's why he said, for God, that's why the word said, for God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He died for you and me, so that we could get up, and so that we could rise from the grave. And we could rise past our situations and our circumstances. Now, is it going to be easy? No. But it is possible. If you find yourself saying, well, I did my own thing for a while and I'm, I'm ready to come back. It's open. God still loves you. You know, he, the backslider, he still loves us. He still loves us. He still loves us. Or if you just need prayer, the altar is open for you as well. It's open. It's open.